0: Welcome back to the program. Today, boys want to grow up to be professional athletes or tech billionaires. But there was a time when being a secret agent seemed just about the coolest thing to do. Whether it was the literary exploits of Bond or Bourne, or the real story of Philby, or the moral twilight of Le Carre, spycraft, particularly during the days of the Cold War, had a magical appeal. It certainly did for Naveed Jamali. He dreamt of being in naval intelligence, and it inspired him to become a real-life double agent, albeit ending in the parking lot of Hooters. It's both a very American story and an international story. Naveed now tells his story, along with Ellis Hennigan, in their new book, How to Catch a Russian Spy. Ellis Hennigan is a columnist at Newsday, a popular television and radio commentator, and the author of three New York Times bestsellers, It Is My Pleasure. To welcome, Naveed Jamali and Ellis Hennigan here to talk about how to catch a Russian spy. Naveed, Ellis, thanks so much for joining us. Hey. hey,
1: Jeff. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Jeff. Thanks so much.
0: Great to have you both here. Ellis, I want to start with you because you came to this story after the fact, as as our listeners are. Talk a little bit about how you heard about it, how this began to reveal itself to you, how you got interested in it.
2: Well, the, the first thing I did was not believe it. I mean, my <laughs> God, what a, what a story, right? You've got this normal American kid who decides through a a complicated set of steps that he would like to help bust a Russian spy and this is this is post-Cold War the Russians are our partners and our friends we're all supposed to be getting along with each other and I realized immediately, wow this this human story this kid matching wits with this veteran Russian espionage agent really does uh, give us a wonderful window on what modern espionage is all about it does it in a human way through a through a, a, a protagonist that average folks could could relate to and yes you're, you're absolutely right there are an awful lot of people who will read this story and say if Naveed could do it my god I could certainly do it
0: Naveed tell us a little bit about uh, how this all began and your parents your parents business really that's right that's right
1: it's a uh, sort of an odd sto- I mean the whole thing is odd and it's a little <laughs> a little larger than life, but Essentially, my parents, who were, who were both immigrants, uh, started a small business in New York City. And uh, one day, a man, uh, the business sold books, of all things, to the federal government. And uh, it was not a bookstore, so they normally didn't get walk-ins. And, and one day, uh, a man came to their office and uh, asked to buy some books. And, and long story short, that man was actually a uh, Soviet intelligence agent. And after he left and placed his order, uh, two more men came in. And this time, it was the FBI counterintelligence. And uh, they essentially said, you know, uh, fill this man's order, and if he comes back, we'll be in touch. And they certainly were. And that essentially kept this you know, almost decade-and-a-half relationship between my parents, the FBI, and the Soviets and the Russians. And uh, when I returned to sort of run the company, um, as you mentioned in, in, the, in the opening, you know, I wanted to <laughs> apply to this intelligence program with the Navy, and uh didn't get in the first time. And so the second time, said uh, the Navy said, you can reapply, you just have to have something different. And I looked at, this, uh, looked at this relationship with the FBI as an opportunity to get nothing more than an internship. So I approached them and said, hey, would you guys write me a letter of recommendation? I'll help you with this Russian." I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I thought that uh, the adventure would actually begin when I uh, joined the Navy.
0: And the FBI had no idea what they were getting into with you either.
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest compliments the FBI ever paid me was, after this was all over, we were at dinner with uh, with some of the top brass and they said to me, you know, every time the agents would meet with you, I could tell because they'd come into my office, hang their head in like, you know, just frustration and just say, so goddamn difficult to deal with. So I took that as a, a sign of... Uh, of, of respect when I was do, doing things somewhat right.
0: Ellis, as you heard this story, knowing a little bit about the FBI and how it works and government secrecy, we'll talk about the parts that were believable and the parts that were really hard to believe in this story. Well, first of all, the, the biggest surprise was that I hadn't heard about it. I mean, I've
2: been covering writing about this stuff for, for, for many years, and uh, it's such a, such a spectacular case. You know, you would have thought it would have leaked out somehow. But uh, it, it turned out that nobody really had much of an incentive to put it out. Uh, the FBI wasn't eager to, to shine a light on, on the inner workings of their their uh, ongoing war with Russian intelligence, and the Russians uh, who were ultimately embarrassed by Naveed, they didn't they didn't want to brag about it. And Naveed just went on with his life. He had joined the military and uh, and uh, just got on with things. And it was only you know several years later. When the Naveed was ready to tell the story that he and I hooked up, and uh, you know, first I had to check it out. I had to make sure it was right. And you know, the FBI, we dealt with the FBI and with the Navy, and were able to confirm uh, uh, the important details of the story. And uh, I was like, "Man, there's a there's a great book here, and maybe even
0: more." And Naveed, tell us about the Russian agent that really is at the center of this, Oleg. Yes,
1: yeah. uh, Oleg, you know. There was a, there was an age gap. I was in my in my late twenties at the time, and Oleg was probably in his in his early to mid 40s. Um, and there was also a, a cultural gap. I mean, uh, Naveed Jamali, I, but you know, I'm still fairly Americanized, and, and Oleg just simply wasn't. So there was a constant, you know, sort of culture and age clash between the two of us. But to be fair to Oleg, listen, he was a trained and skilled uh, intelligence officer, and I hold no ill will to him. And he was a uh, very professional. And every time I met with him, it was. It was a serious debriefing. I mean, he was looking to see if I showed any signs of deception. So very, very skilled. Um, you know, he was a senior member of the Russian military. He was a diplomat at the United Nations uh, through the Russian mission. And, uh, you know, just a very, very good at what he did.
0: He didn't have much of a sense of humor, certainly in the way you portray him. Yeah, humorous.
1: That's, that's certainly true. I mean, he was he was definitely, he was very, very smart, very intelligent guy, but uh, you know I, I think my sense of humor was somewhat lost on him, and uh, no he, he did not for for him this was serious business for me this was kind of I hate to say it, but it was kind of a you know, it was kind of a bit of a comedy
0: What kind of information was at the heart of this? What were you passing along you know uh, this is a
1: common question there was there it's, it's what's classified as open source information, and there's not to dig into the weeds. there are restrictions in terms of export control and uh, what can actually be passed out to the United States. But it, the base of it is we were giving them, I was giving him somewhat military information. I mean, at some point we gave him manuals for aircraft and things, military aircraft and things like that. But to be fair, what the Russians were investing in was not the information I was giving, but rather than me. They wanted me to be a long ter- term, they knew I was applying to the Navy. They, you know, this was going to be a 5, 10, 15 plus you know, year career with uh, with them. They really wanted me to be a functioning asset who would uh, climb the ranks and have access to more and more information.
0: Ellis, talk a little bit about finding and, and what you found to be the tone of this story. I mean, as Naveed just says, this wasn't highly classified, top-secret information. In many ways, it w- was comic the way some of it played out, but yet everybody in the context of it took it seriously, including the FBI.
2: Yeah, but of course, I like the funny stuff most. I, I mean, <laughs> look, let me give you one example.
0: You would think that a big-time Russian espionage guy trying
2: to, to seduce and charm and pay off this young American would have all kind of crafty things that he could use to, to, to lure Naveed into the, to the diabolical circle here. In fact, what he did was drag him out to a series of some of the absolute worst Chain restaurants in America. <laughs> I mean, they're committing espionage uh, 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 at the Pizzeria Uno. The uh, the huge uh, uh, final arrest scene happens at Hooters in Wayne, New Jersey. And I just, I loved all of that stuff. The, the fact that Naveed learned how to be a spy really by watching spy movies I and mean, copying the dialogue, literally. Literally practicing in front of the mirror, cool sounding lines. I mean, I was just thinking, boy, if that were me, how would I do it? You know what? I think I'd probably learn that way. I I would have no other way to figure it out. So I love those, just those kind of goofy little details.
0: Naveed, was there a concern that by doing the things that you did, by as Ellis said, learning spycraft from watching these movies and and taking lines from characters out of movies, that in fact you'd give yourself away at some point? Was that a concern you had, or that the FBI had?
1: Well, the the, the honest thing is the assumption is the Russians don't watch those movies. I mean, you know, the, here here's the thing is that the, the the reality of developing a spy and talking to an asset is hard. It's difficult. You know, it was comical to me in Hooters, but there's a lot of effort that went into the Russians to make sure that they weren't being shadowed when they met with me. So I kind of assumed that, hey, listen, perhaps Oleg watches these movies, too, and this is what he expects a spy to say, because maybe he's coming from the same set of uh, expectations that I am. So for whatever reason, Jeff, it worked. It just flat out worked. They believed it.
0: Talk about your relationship with the FBI. How seriously did they take you at first, and how did it evolve over time?
1: Uh, you know, I have a very strong and, and I have relationship with the actor. I have a lot of respect for what they do. It's a, it's a very challenging uh, you know, role, and it's a very important one, one that probably doesn't get the credit that it, that it, it deserves. Um, we both sort of start off, uh, just like with Oleg, this is, you know, you're, you're sort of uh, the honeymoon phase to begin with. You're kind of, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. They didn't know what I could do for them. The Russians didn't know if I was going to be any value to them. So it was all this... All you have is access. I had access to the FBI and I had access to the Russians. Nothing more, nothing less. And you have to take that and build on something. And it, it meant, your, as you, you're pointing to, it meant convincing the FBI that I was someone who could deliver the Russians. And it meant convincing the Russians that I was someone who could deliver them information. So it's a constant you know, careful balancing act between the two.
0: Was there an end game in all of this? Did the FBI say, this is what we want to do? This is what we want to accomplish by a certain point?
1: You know, it was weird, right? So we called this the circle of trust. The circle of trust really consisted of my wife and two FBI agents. That's it. That's the only people in the world who knew what I was doing. And it was hard for me to understand a larger context, certainly the larger geopolitical thing. Uh, I'll be honest. I don't know that the FBI had a clear idea of what they wanted to do with this. It seems to be a constant uh, point of discussion. What they... From what I surmised, what they really wanted to do was just tie up the tie up the Russians. If the Russians were spending their time and treasure on me, it was time and treasure they couldn't spend on a real asset. And so that was a, you know, that was a huge, uh, huge boon and, and a huge uh, win for the FBI.
0: What about the time that the FBI was spending on this relative to what they were going to get out of it?
1: Uh, it was it was it was all it was all upside for them, right? Because they were spending time on me, who was you know dealing with a senior. Uh, attache for the, for the Russian mission, um, this was probably one of their larger catches. And, uh, you know, they, they knew that we were in. They knew that the Russian trusted us. So their time spent on this was, was, was hugely beneficial to them. I mean, again, it, it's kind of, I look at it as almost like a startup. It really was two FBI agents. It was this very sort of small world with uh, a lot of creativity that uh, the FBI would just say, you know, actually, what do you think we should do here? And they would sort of let me decide how to do things, which is totally almost unheard of now.
0: Ellis, how cooperative was the FBI in in helping you tell this story?
2: Well, they do not in any formal way endorse the book. We don't have any blurbs from the FBI. We don't have any statements from them or anything like that. Uh, The main thing they gave us was not standing in the way of our doing it. Uh, we had a lot of direct contact, a lot of back and forth, some of it uh, through the front door and some of it through the various back doors and side windows. Um, and really what we've gotten from them is a is a blessing that says, go ahead and tell your story. Uh, this is not, don't, I don't want to sell this as some, you know, the FBI's version of this or some authori- authorized government report. <laughs> it's none of that stuff. It's one kid's story about uh, his wild post-college adventure and how it turned into a to an espionage case,
0: and soon to be a major motion picture, as they say. Oh yeah, that's nice, huh? How do you feel about that, Navid?
1: I'm thrilled. I've uh, they've announced, uh, you know, it was purchased by uh, 20th Century Fox, and I'm just really thrilled that uh, Mark Webb, who's uh, comes from Spider Man, is is. At the reins of uh, directing this, so I'm excited to see what he what he what he turned, what he makes of this.
0: Talk a little bit, Naveed, about your parents, who were really there at at the creation, so to speak, of, of this story, and how they felt about all of this as it unfolded.
1: You know, it's interesting. My parents are, you know, as I said, my my father's Pakistani, my mother's French, and uh, they both were bo- born in sort of uh, mother. Uh, at the end of the Second World War, my father, when Pakistan and, and India part, you know, was partitioned. So when they moved to the United States, they, they sort of felt uh, not a, uh, a loyalty to this country, and when the FBI asked them to help them, they, they uh, felt it was, it was their obligation. Now, that being said, they're both children of the, of the 60s, and uh, you know, there, was a, there was a fine line between how much they were going to help the FBI, and uh, they just sort of kept status quo. So when I, uh, when I decided to write a book, they were very, very supportive. Um, they also would have been totally supportive if they took this, you know, to the, to their grade. They didn't feel any need to tell the story or not tell the story. It was to- they were totally ambivalent, but I think they've been, uh, you know, very happy with the success it's, it's uh, had so far.
0: Were there moments, Naveed, that you felt that there was real danger that you were in?
1: Uh, you know, honestly, not. I wish I could say yes. Um, I think <laughs> that I'm a little strange in that you compartmentalize these things, and if you Think about danger, you become completely incapable of of anything. And I kind of looked at this as, as 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 Oleg. Oleg, as you as you said, you know, humorless. And you know, I kind of wanted to crack jokes at him. And, I, and it's hard to. It was hard for me to see Oleg as the uh, point person for you know a nuclear armed Russia. Of course he was, but I, I just saw him as Oleg. I didn't see any of the things behind him. So that was a defense mechanism to not sort of think of the scary things. That being said, at one point, the Russians wanted me to go abroad with them, and uh, the FBI was adamant that I was not to do that And, and in hindsight, you know that was a little bit of a, of a scary moment um, in thinking <laughs> what they would have done if I went to Mexico with them and then Certainly, perhaps the, uh, the most uh, difficult moment I faced in the middle of the operation was uh, a moment when the FBI almost shut it down, and I think that was, uh, you know, that was a very, very very difficult time.
0: Of course, the the big drama is when you were supposed to go to the pizza place and you wound up at Hooters instead.
1: Yes. Well, so as I said, listen, uh, Oleg was a you know there's all, much much has been made of cyber and all you know hacking and all this stuff, but the reality is that this was a, a a human game. It was a mental combat, and the Russians were incredibly proficient and incredibly skilled. So in our in the final act, I don't want to give away too much, but we were supposed to meet at one place. Uh, the Russians had agreed to, uh, or had committed to meeting at this restaurant, and I met him at the door, all set to have this final showdown. We planned, the FBI had planned everything out, and the first thing Oleg did did was, before we could even sit down, was to say, do you mind if we walk to a different restaurant? And I was thinking, oh my God, of course i mind. There's like 80 FBI agents watching this. What are they going to do when we don't go inside the restaurant? And it was just, uh, you know, that hundred yards that I had to walk to the restaurant with with Oleg was one of the most... uh, (laughs) uh, difficult the longest walks i've ever had so um but that's how they did it they were incredibly good at uh, debriefing and skilled uh skilled debriefers
0: ellis what did you learn that that was surprising to you in some ways perhaps about the russians and the way he, uh the way oleg handled himself in the context of this
2: well, listen, I'm not surprised that the Russians are spying still. I mean, we all spy on each other, right? We spy on our allies and on our enemies and everyone who's in that gray area in between. So, so, so that part of it did not surprise me. But, but what I thought was kind of both surprising and kind of cool was just how normal so much of this stuff is, right? We've seen all those movies that you mentioned at the top and, and read those books, and, and, and people are hanging by their feet out of out of helicopters and the, there's gunfire in the streets and all this kind of wild and crazy stuff. But I think this story teaches us is that the real espionage, the real trading of damaging secrets back and forth uh, secretly among nations, is really done in, in, in almost a a routine, kind of trivial sort of a way, right? It's not some super spooker meeting in a darkened corner. It's just a, it's just a couple of goofballs sitting in Hooters together. And, and, and every piece of this story has that tension in it, right? You understand that there's a really serious thing going on here that affects the national security of great nations. At the same time, it's these kind of normal seeming characters who were doing it and trying to get an advantage on each other. That to me that's what gave the story its tension and that's what was most surprising.
0: And Naveed do you, you miss
1: the action of it? Every day. I mean it was it was a thrill. If I could go back and do it, I would I would trade the movie and the book in a heartbeat to do it. It is so it was it was really a blast and, it's, and as Alice said, it really is an important part of our national security. I would I would uh I'd love to go back and do it. But uh it's kind of hard to do that when you have a book coming out, so
0: Naveed Jabali, Ellis Hannigan, their book is How to Catch a Russian Spy, a true story of an American civilian turned double agent. Naveed, Ellis, I thank you so much for spending time with us. Great talking with you, Jeff. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.